everybody, and welcome to an extremely special edition of the Finmaniacs.com podcast. Your host here, Jason Sarney. I'm joined by my buddy, Hussam Patel. Hussam, before we introduce our uh, NFL insider, I'd like you to say hello to the folks out there. What's up, Finmaniacs listeners? I hope you all are doing well, and check out my last podcast on Finmaniacs.com. It's Friday, another weekend. Let's have a good one today. Oh, it's going to be a good one. The week has been fantastic, and we're going to close with one of the most well-respected, one of the most knowledgeable NFL insiders. You could find him really anywhere they're talking Bronco football. You can find him on Pro Football Network, and his Twitter handle is really a place where you need to go. Benjamin Albright. How are you, Benjamin? I'm, uh, I'm doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Can't complain here. You know, we're ready to talk some football, and we have an individual such as yourself who really has a terrific, terrific pulse on things like Broncos. I love your draft coverage. We're kind of heading into that absolute rabid time for NFL fans when there's even no football. We all turn into the draft aficionado. So before we talk football, uh, I'd be remiss to not thank you for everything you do with football, for your services, and, uh, you know, what you've done in the past. So, a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on the show here and, uh, you know, looking forward to chopping it up and talking a little football. All right. Well, without further ado, let us start. And with basically how you got into the industry, I think with what we try to do with Femaniacs is we really try to develop some writers and get their experiences. So if you have any uh, kind of insight in how you started your whole career writing and covering football, what uh, led you into where you are now? Oh, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to ask this. I, I fell backwards into it. Um, it. You know, one of those things. I uh, I think most people on Twitter knows in the military for a long time. And, you know, prior to that, I had a bunch of friends that went on to, uh, you know, do things in the league and, 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 you know, play college ball and do things in the league, that kind of stuff. So I've, I've just been fortunate in that I've um, accidentally had a lot of contacts um, you know, around the league, most of my life. And, you know, dating back even to, you know, to in my youth, um, you know, my funny story, like my first girlfriend was uh, former Chiefs quarterback, Bill Kenny's daughter, um, you know, uh, Josh Freeman and his younger brother. They were a couple of years below me, but uh, we went to the same school, um, you know, like the same private school. There's like so there's like, you know, just a whole bunch of like really weird, stupid, small connections I've had over the I guess over the course of my life. Just been fortunate enough with that. Um, with the with the Twitter thing, I kind of started it up just to just to see what Twitter was about, and you know, I got on there and I found a lot of people pretending to have information that they really didn't have, or you know, that kind of stuff. And so, like, it, it, my Twitter account kind of morphed into initially just kind of debunking the nonsense, you know, just kind of like, hey, wait a minute, I know that this is not true, you know, that kind of thing, and. Um, along the way, it took several twists and turns and kind of became what it is now. But it, initially, it started off debunking kind of the, the frauds and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I spent, you know, I never thought it was going to be a professional endeavor. So I spent years like, you know, on the account <laughs> being ridiculous, you know, trolling people. I think people who believe it, that the moon landing was faked. I, I, I think I told some guy my grandpa was on the flight or something. Uh, there were flat earthers that uh, that were in there. And I think I told them like I invented some GPS. I used, to, I used to have like early on in this account, I had some fun with some people that I, yeah, now looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have. Um, it, it seems funny, but like there are people that took that serious. So, uh, but but in the end, like, you know, this just kind of morphed into something else. And as time wore on, you know, people uh, started noticing and they're like, wait, how does this guy have this information? How does he have this? Cause this checks out. And, um, 
I guess I got reached out to by, by a few people that, you know, kind of at the top of the industry, guys like Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter and things like that. And, you know, they kind of helped, helped kind of guide me along the way as far as what to do and, you know, turn it into something. I, um, I wasn't really working much in that, in that stretch because after I got out of the military, some, some friends and I, uh, had started a, started a tech company and then we sold that and then I just hadn't really done anything. So I was kind of bored. And one day a buddy of mine reached out and said, Hey, you want to be a guest on my show? And you know, that guest turned into an offer and then offer turned into a co-host and here we are. That is a great, great story. And I got to tell you, you know, any which way, you know, you got to get that information. It's, it's really not just how you get it, it's how you disseminate it. And I think you do a terrific job on doing it objectively with what you know, what, what you find out. And yes, I, I love a good debunked theory, you know, so I, I did like your, your old stuff. And uh, you could totally revisit that if you want. But uh, we got to talk rumors. You know, we got to go league rumors. I know you have, you know, your your finger on the pulse of the league. And I know this is your time of year. You had a very accurate mock draft last year. And with things going on with the world, with COVID, the pandemic, things are going to be a little bit different in terms of player evaluation. So before we go into those players, how do you think that where we are and the climate, no pun intended right now with things, are going to affect this whole draft and combine process? I think that, uh, you know, obviously the combine's not going to happen this year. Um, right. I, if everybody doesn't know that, let's let's start there. Um, with, with COVID and everything, what they're going to try to do in, in the league, see, oh, so let me back up even further. So the combine is run by national scouting, not the NFL. All right. So the NFL, the national scouting is the one that doesn't want the legal liability for being a super spreader event, basically. Um, and so national, they're, they're calling that off. The NFL is not doing anything um league related for that. And the reason for that would be is because there's legal implications for having guys who are not under contract, mandatorily required to come in and do things, blah, blah, blah. It just, it, it creates a, a legal issue. And so that's where we're at. So what right now, a lot of the measurements that normally would come from the combine are actually going to come from pro days. Uh, and that's how they're going to kind of piecemeal this together this year. Um, I will say that for the most part, you won't see much of a specific change, except that maybe some of that information or data may not be publicly available as much as it usually is when the combine happens. Um, I will say for the league, the largest loss is the medicals, uh, because the combine, the first and foremost, um, you know, big thing about the, the the combine is that you get everybody together and you get their medicals. And, and the league, that's what the, the combine is about for most of the league. I know the fans love the, the 40 times and, and all that kind of stuff, but the league is really about the, the medicals. That, that's the big thing. And so not having those this year is probably the biggest thing to come out of that. I think that's what most people are lamenting uh, is not having an easy, convenient way to shuffle through about 300 people and get their medicals. That's a huge factor. And does it, do you think it creates things, as you mentioned, the pro days? Is this a year that you might really uh, maybe look at geographical situations, like a lot of local colleges, those kind of prospects, maybe going to those sort of teams where not a lot of travel, you, they're right there, essentially? You think that will play into any aspect of it? 
I think so. I, I think you'll probably see some more regionalism with uh, inviting smaller school guys to larger schools. I think you'll see some of that. Some places won't do that because they're competing, air quotes, competing for the same prospects in the same in the same state, you know, and they have that mentality. But I think you'll I think by and large, you'll see a lot of that a more cooperative effort, you know, in the in the in the COVID era. Um, I, I from what I understand uh, out here in Colorado, both Colorado and Colorado State are going to do something like that. I think Colorado State's going to take like the north half of the state with uh, uh, North Carolina. Northern Colorado and stuff like that. And those kids will come out and then CU, I think is going to handle the, the Southern half of the state with like, um, you know, CSU Pueblo and stuff like that. So I, I think there's going to be a cooperative effort. That's not a hundred percent, but I think that they're, they're kind of eyeballing that anyway. And there's going to be like a cooperative effort to try to help because, because in the end you realize you're, you're trying to help these kids out, you know? And so barricading these, these seniors that are leaving anyway, is not really going to bar you from getting recruits. There's not really going to hurt you in terms of elevating another program's profile and all that. It's just, it's just you not being a jerk, you know? So I think, uh, I think in the end that uh, hopefully a lot of these schools will do that and allow the regional smaller schools to come in, have their guys come in if the scouts request it and, uh, and, and go from there. That's excellent. And it's a really, uh, it's a fun, exciting time. And going back to last year before really going into this year, was there a story that stuck out in your mind in last year's draft that was, uh, whether it's a feel good, what do you remember from last year that makes you think about it? Oh man, last year was so busy. Um, I'm sure there are some that I'm just blanking on right now. There were so many, um, just, just great, great stories. Um, Oof, uh, you know, around that. I think a lot of that was because for the first time I was really focused on covering the draft with the lens of um, the needs of one team in the Denver Broncos. So for me, I think last year that caused me to miss a lot of the larger stories behind the scenes that I would have otherwise enjoyed in a normal year. Um, there, you know, there was a lot of these guys that, uh, you know, I think there was, there's guys that were, um, there was a guy, a guy who was homeless for a while, uh, you know, they ended up getting drafted. That's, that's a pretty cool story. I think, you know, anytime you get stories like that, I, you know, I love that stuff. I love the, I love the rise above it stuff. And, um, you know, I love to see that kind of stuff. And so for me, I think that, uh, anytime you get, you get a chance to see that kind of stuff, that's really cool. I, um, in terms of looking at stories this year, um, you know, I don't know, I, I guess I'm always looking to see if something pops up, but on my radar right now, I don't really um, – I think the one thing I have is a red flag story, and so that's what I'm kind of kind of trying to keep my eye on. You can continue to pull on that thread if you want to. Um, yeah, we, I guess we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, with the Micah Parsons situation, I don't okay. think uh, – you know, I'm not sure how many people know about that, and I don't want to – I don't want to get into any accusations. You can you can read up on that stuff, uh, you know, on the internet. You can find it. It's, it's not difficult to find. Um, and so I, I don't want to get into making any allegations from my end, but I'll say that, that he definitely is going to have to answer some questions to teams about that. Uh, and I will say that I spoke with a couple of agents at the senior bowl who had looked into the idea of trying to sign him as a client and they were put off by him uh, within their meetings um, with requests that he made for significant amounts of money up front and uh, just kind of the way he was as a person. So um, that that's, that's all I have on that. I don't know if he is uh, innocent or guilty of those things that he is accused of. I don't know the answer to that, uh, but I do know that he will have to answer those questions to teams. Absolutely needs to answer those questions. I mean, as you said, it is out there. Uh, I've seen those tweets, you know, from a number of sources. So character issues come into play a lot, obviously. So when going into the good portions of evaluation, what we have on tape is we have the season, 
and we also have the senior bowl. So what can you take from the senior bowl? Well, I think that the senior bowl was interesting this year um, because it, you know, it was a COVID uh, you know, COVID controlled kind of thing, significantly smaller crowd. It was the first year it was at South Alabama um, for all the practices instead of lad peoples in town. It was just a different, different atmosphere, but congrats and hats off to Jim Nagy for pulling it off uh, in the first place. I, I, you know, things that we took away from there. Um, I think that, uh, I, I think that, <sighs> Uh, there are some, some, there were some great players down there. Uh, there were some guys, I think like everybody's familiar with Quinn Minerts now that may not have been. Um, he was a guy that got told to me by a former coach of his about two years ago to keep an eye out on. And uh, man, that, that guy just showed up. Uh, there were some other guys there that you thought, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be as high on this guy. There were guys like, uh, um, Oh, who Mel Melifonwu out of Syracuse. I think everybody was buzzing about him, his length, his size. Uh, Richie Grant was, was probably the winner of the senior bowl. If it wasn't for Quinn Minerts, um, you know, he, uh, the safety, the guy, I, I thought he played lights out. My radio partner, Ryan Edwards actually pointed him out to me before we got down there. Somebody he thought uh, was going to jump, jump out at everybody. And sure enough, he did. Um, I think that uh, what else, man, uh, Michael Carter, I thought played really well. Um, I think uh, the quarterbacks, if you look at that, kind of disappointed a little bit. Um, you know, Felipe Franks really didn't do anything to impress anybody. Sam Ehlinger, you know, was just kind of there. Uh, that's that's one of Eric Burkhart's guys. I, th I thought uh, he might have a chance to maybe make it a, make some noise. Uh, Jamie Newman made some noise on day one, but then didn't really look all that good the rest of the week. Um, it was kind of the Mac Jones show, you know, kind of after that. So, you know, I, I think that uh, the Senior Bowl, this year, the only other the major takeaway I had from the Senior Bowl, they didn't have any defensive tackles, or they didn't have a lot of defensive tackles. They had a lot of ends that were trying to play tackle for the sake of playing tackle while they were there. And so I found that to be interesting. And I don't know if that was people declining invites or just not enough not enough invites to upper-tier defensive tackles or what. But uh, that was something that just randomly kind of jumped out at me this year. We have Hussam, who uh, has been doing some terrific work on the Senior Bowl and uh, he actually interviewed uh, Minerts. And other than Minerts, who do you think, Ben, has been the – who came into the Senior Bowl whose stock was maybe at one point and who elevated themselves the most? If you might have named the person already, maybe Carter. But other than Minerts, who was the guy who really, truly elevated themselves? Oh, Richie Grant. Hands down, Richie Grant. Um, yeah, he, he was one. Baron Browning probably did, although I don't know that people were necessarily down on Browning. I think that he made a name for himself, too. But Richie Grant's a guy who skyrocketed. I mean, like, like that dude is going to be the second safety taken, maybe the first, but probably the second safety taken in this draft. Uh, he's going to be one of the first 40 picks of the draft. So speaking of the first 40 picks, the Dolphins seem to have about 47 of them. That's an exaggeration. But how important do you think them coaching the Senior Bowl, and you can even talk about the Panthers too, this year, how significant is that for those teams to have that inside information from that Senior Bowl? I think it's, I think it's, pretty, I think it's pretty big. Um, you know, I think that uh, in terms of inside information, you know, I think that that term gets thrown around a little, a little loose sometimes. You know, we, we I, I always hated when people call me the, the, you know, like an insider. I hate that term because, like, inside of what? And I work inside the building. I work inside Broncos headquarters. Like my studio's inside Broncos headquarters, and I still hate that term. Um, you know, because just because it it covers all manner of sins. You know, the, the reality. I'm just trying to connect fans to information. That's what I try to do. And and you know, and honestly, and then teams too. Because I mean, privately behind the scenes, I do. Talk 
talk to agents and teams and things like that. And we, we you know, and trying to be a pipeline for information. So, um, but, but it's never, you know, like, I don't want to be self aggrandizing. And I find people that I find people try to do that, you know, um, with, with that whole term. So as far as the inside information goes, I think what teams are trying to do is gauge what other teams are trying to do. Honestly, I, I think that's the point. And so like having that information, like kind of swapping stories, like, hey, we're not as sold on this guy we are, kind of sets the market for free agency, potential trades, and the draft as these guys build their boards. One of the things, one of the common mistakes I see most people make is they say, I've got a third round grade on this guy, right? Teams don't work like that. Teams teams have like a, a color-coded system or a number system or whatever, and they grade a guy and they, they're say. I think this guy's a future all pro, a future starter, a future backup, you know, that kind of thing. And um, that, that's how they grade them. Now, they stack them on the board and rank them. But giving a round grade, air quotes, to somebody is not an evaluation. That's a valuation. What you're doing is you're saying, you're not saying anything about the player. You're saying, I think this guy should go in here or I think someone will take him in here. And so that's, that's the difference, I think, with that. That's one of those things, and I'm sorry to get off on that tangent, um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, uh, you see commonly down there in your United States Senior Bowl, and you see some of the guys that, you know, that are, uh, and, and their heart's in the right place. You know, they're, they're writers and their stuff like that, and, and these guys are, uh, they're trying to come up in the industry, and so they're asking these scouts, they're like, well, I've got a third-round grade on so-and-so, and the scout's face kind of screws up a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, you can kind of, you see the interaction kind of say, that's one of the things I would caution to people is that there's a difference between um, an evaluation of a player and a valuation of a player and where you think they're going to go. Uh, and I think more websites would be better served if they did something like that where they included both. My evaluation of the player and then here's my, my, my valuation where I think he should go. I love that differentiation of word because words are very important and that difference tells it all, you know? And when we're looking at that aspect of things, we obviously have to talk about the overall draft and really uh, what your thoughts are, uh, quarterbacks, trades. When you go into this draft, what are your initial thoughts prior to everything after the Senior Bowl? Um, it's... Man, so much. Uh, it's a loaded question. Let me try to parse it down a little bit. It's a good question. I, my, my thoughts are um, that the major story that's out there right now is probably being framed incorrectly. Um, I think that – I don't think that Deshaun Watson is necessarily as close to being traded as everybody makes it out to be. I think that the Texans believe that he's going to be their quarterback or they're going to let him sit. That, that's their that's their thing. And if they let him sit, his contract doesn't toll. It actually saves them money. And he's not gonna he's not gonna lose value. It's not like they can't trade him next spring. So I, I think the Texans believe they have all the leverage there. The other part of that is Deshaun Watson and the Texans haven't been in contact. The Texans have reached out and he hasn't gotten back to them. Um, and so, you know, the comparisons to the J.J. Watt situation aren't really fair because J.J. Watt just reached right out to the organization, had a dialogue with them and said, hey, look, it's in work. And uh, can, can, can I get a release? I'm trying to get a ring before I, before I cash out because you guys are in the middle of a rebuild. And so – you know, that, that's kind of the thing. That, that major story has been presented in so many different ways, and the truth is, is really kind of different from that. Now, they may change their minds, and they may trade them. That might happen. And there would be 16 or 17 teams lined up with their hands out, ready to make big-time offers to make that happen um, if they do. But as it stands right now, I, I think that around the league, teams kind of realizing that the Texans are playing hardball here for better or for worse. 
And that's unfortunately kind of kind of where that situation is going. Um, you look around, I'll say this. Uh, there are some other teams, you know, that are that are in the quarterback market that people may not be aware of. Like Philadelphia, I think everybody's aware now they're in the quarterback market. Um, and they're probably going to draft one early. Um, I don't think that they're as high on Jalen Hurts as everybody thinks they are. Um, uh, the Carolina Panthers, very much in the quarterback market. Um, and then I think the team that people aren't talking about enough is the Atlanta Falcons. I would not be surprised at all if the Atlanta Falcons drafted Trey Lance there with their pick, um, because I think Fields and, and uh, Wilson will be gone by then, and develop Trey Lance. And then next year, they're evaluating whether or not they bring Matt Ryan back or let him walk, uh, which is kind of their plan, and then switch to the younger, cheaper quarterback and start a new window. So, you know, I, I think that there are teams out there that are in the quarterback market that people aren't talking about enough. And Atlanta specifically is one I really think our people aren't talking about enough. Now, I wanted to get your outlook on the Drew Locke situation in Denver. You know, there's a lot of talks coming out that Denver might be looking for a quarterback, too. They had their weapons with Jerry Judy. They have it with Corlin Sutton. They have it with KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, and Philip Lindsay. Could Denver and John Elway be aggressive with George Patton? Can they really pitch to the Texans? and give them the assets needed to get Deshaun Watson in Denver? I, I think so. Um, I, I, think that, I think that they feel like they, they, can, um, you know, they can make that kind of offer. I, I certainly think that, that they think that they're, um, you know, that they're on, on track for that. I don't know that their offer would be as competitive, though. Um, I, I think that uh, – um, I, I think that <laughs> – I, I'm trying to find a way to say this as best I can. I, I'm sorry, I'm fumbling it. I, I, I think okay. the Broncos think that I think the Broncos think they can put together a competitive package. I don't think that, that Jerry Judy would necessarily be in that package, um, and and I don't know that their package would necessarily actually be competitive. I think they think it would be. Uh, that said, uh, the Broncos don't want to blow up the young offense that they built. They they don't want to. They, they feel like they're they're close, honestly, as a team to being competitive. They had eight starters out on the uh, the defensive side of the ball last year uh, for the majority of the year, and they still finished as a like the number one red zone defense, a top ten defense overall, despite the fact that they were playing with uh, two rookie corners and a a guy who wasn't even on the, on the roster until like the last four weeks. He was on another team, uh, and so they, they, you know, they 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 kind of made do with the defense and they still played well. The quarterback position has got to have less turnovers, and if if that's Deshaun Watson, it's Deshaun Watson. But they don't want to blow up what they built. I mean, you go back and look at the last game that Denver played against Kansas City last year. They were close. They were real close. Uh, and Vic Fangio kind of sort of laid out the blueprint for how to take some of the air out of that Kansas City offense. In fact, Tampa Bay copied it for the Super Bowl. They, they did exactly what Vic Fangio did. Um, and that is kind of play a, a mostly zone, bend, don't break, uh, pick your spots on the zero blitzes, uh, you know, kind of style of defense, force the, the offense to kind of take the underneath and slow themselves down, get them in the red zone, bog them down a little bit, turn some of those touchdowns into field goals and see if you can match punch for punch and, and, and see what happens. And so, you know, I, I, th I think, if you'll excuse me, I think Denver thinks that they are have a chance to be competitive this year. If Drew Locke can just turn the uh, cut the turnovers in half, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about a, an eight nine win team if they cut the, the turnovers in half. So, you know, I, I think that they want to pursue Deshaun Watson because he's an elite quarterback, but they don't want to blow up what they built because they feel like it's close. Um, and and 
you know, and then they feel like that they're close. If Drew Locke makes a leap, you know, in his third year, it's it's really his second year, but it's it's his yeah. third year. Um, and if he can make the leap, kind of similar to what Josh Allen did, well, then all of a sudden they're you know they're they're in uh, in a good spot. So you're getting Cortland Sutton back this year. You didn't have him last year. Uh, you're getting all those defensive players back. Um, they they feel like that they're in a good spot right now, and they just don't want to be reckless throwing everything at Deshaun Watson, a guy who, by the way couldn't help a team with a bad depleted defense to wins. They only won four games last year. That's great stuff, Bronco-wise. And I want to get to some Dolphins stuff. I really don't want to go Watson Dolphins because I'm one of those Tua build-around proponents to keep that plan. What's your thought on that situation? Uh, I, I think that they are perfectly comfortable going into the season with Tua. Uh, I think they're going to explore other options just to see what's out there, know the price tag. And if they feel like that's an improvement, they'll work on that. But I, I think right now, I think they're looking at it as two and Fitz are probably going to be the guys. I think they're going to bring Fitz back. I, I think it's, um, I, I think that's going to be it. I, I really do. Um, we'll see if that changes. Like I said, if Deshaun comes available, they'll be in the inquiry on that. They definitely will, whether they get him or not, they'll inquire as will the jets as will the, uh, the, the Broncos and the, you know, the, the, the Niners and all those kinds of teams. Um, and, and they should. I mean, you should. If you if a top ten quarterback comes available, you should inquire. If you don't have a top ten quarterback, you just should. That's responsible general managership. Uh, but that said, I, I think the Dolphins are wanting to find some continuity. You know, they're they're churning and burning through offensive coordinators, and they, they've got to find somebody that they can pair up with Tua and develop him to the to the fullest extent and maximize his potential. And so, I, I think that's their primary concern: getting him some receivers. And then finding an offensive coordinator that's, that, that speaks his language and that can maximize him. So Miami did go with the dual offense coordinator system with George Godsey and Eric Studsville. Now, when we talk about players getting those weapons, do you see them drafting Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith at the wide receiver position? I, I think Smith, uh, and I've thought Smith for a while. Um, you know, I, people are split on Chase. You either love him or hate him. Um, with 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 Smith, it's a little bit different. Everybody loves him. There are some people that are concerned about his size, you know? And so it's, it's a little bit different situation. I, I don't think that size is really an issue. And the reason that I don't think size is an issue is because I think if you look on that Miami roster and you go look at Jakeem Grant, uh, Jakeem Grant's a guy who can have success when he's out there and the size hasn't really hindered him. Uh, so, you know, I think that uh, – I, I think Smith is – uh, I think he's perfectly fine. If you go look at the modern, uh, you know, the modern archetype, they've gotten thinner at receiver over the years since the days, since the '90s. You know, when uh, when you had the headhunter safeties out there that were blasting receivers out of their out of their shoes, you can't do that anymore. You know, Steve Atwater couldn't have a career anymore. Uh, so, so it's like you you go back and you look at at the way things used to be and the way they are now. And thin receivers can be highly productive in the NFL. AJ Green is built like a toothpick, you know, and, and he can, you know, he can, he's was highly productive for, for a long time in the NFL. So I don't think that the size is going to hurt Smith as much as people think it is right now. I believe, I personally believe that he is higher on the board than chase. Uh, but that's, that's my personal opinion, talking to some people down there. Um, and that's, that's where I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. I, I think that they are definitely in the market for receivers though. And, and I would not be surprised to see receiver and O-line uh, both uh, in, in the first round there. And, uh, and as a side note, uh, getting Eric Studisville, Studisville is a great person, a great guy and a great coach. So I, I don't know how he is as an OC, but I will say as a man, as a person uh, and as a general overall coach, uh, nothing but respect for him. 
And that's a great endorsement because it seems that uh, Miami is trying to, like you said, build continuity. So I like the fact that they're trying to kind of build and develop the coaching staff. And really, in the spirit of competition, let's see if one of those offensive or co-offensive coordinators takes the reign to be, you know, the actual one in a year. We'll see what happens. But you mentioned free agency. You mentioned receivers. You mentioned running. Uh, we'll talk about running backs, too. Do you think the Dolphins make a big splash or a little splash or no splash in free agency? <laughs> well, I've always said this. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with this. I, I, the thing about free agency is you don't want to win free agency. Okay, like the, the thing about free agency is you're out, you're spending A plus money for B plus talent because A plus talent teams don't let go of, right? Uh, unless there's some kind of you know character issue or you know something else going on, teams generally don't let go of A plus talent. So you have to play A plus money for B plus talent, and, and you generally don't want to be caught doing that. You don't want to be relying on free agents. The objective is to draft and develop. Um, do I think that Miami will go out there? Uh, it's not going to be like last year. Uh, last year, Miami was in the market to make a splash. They had many holes to fill, and they wanted to get the right guys in there for their system and scheme fit and veterans, and they went out there and they did that. This year, I don't think that's going to be a thing. You may see them uh, pick up a receiver, pick up an offensive lineman, um, you, you know, and then a couple of pieces along the defensive side. You may see some of that. I don't think they're going to be super, super in on the top-tier guys. I think they're looking to fill in. I think they recognize that they've got a winning formula already. They don't want to blow that up. Uh, and so what they want to keep doing is just kind of putting light pieces in there to make sure they're covered due to injury and go from there. So I, I think I think that's their plan. Um, but, you know, again, if, some, if the right opportunity presents, itself hey you got to swing at it speaking of right opportunity uh i think that the dolphins are going to take the opportunity to maybe get a, an economic signing what free agent receiver because i do really truly believe that they're going to bring someone in who has nfl experience to add to that for, uh, receiver core don't think it's going to be one of the top one or two do you think they bring a receiver in and if so who are the dolphin fans targeting or who should they target well, I, I personally would have targeted Allen Robinson. That, that's, you know, if he gets if he gets free, that would be the guy I would target. There's nobody more reliable, and he's used to playing with, you know, uh, let's be polite here, less than stellar quarterback play. Um, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that I, I think would be a security blanket for, for a young Tua. Um, and so I, I think if you're, if you're doing something like, if you're going and looking for a receiver, I think reliability needs to be what you're looking for. And I think he's the epitome of that in this class. Um, you know, I, I could see a Galladay or something like that, but you know, a Galladay would kind of be wasted a little bit until you shake Tua out of the always take the underneath stuff, uh, until you drill into Tua that it's okay to take deep shots. Uh, Galladay would kind of be wasted because that's what he is. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a bit more of a deep shot guy. At least he was with Stafford. Um, so you know, I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the direction I would go, I, I, but I would have my eyes on the Allen Robinson situation. Like I said, he comes available. Heck yeah, we're all over that. Do you see Justin Simmons potentially leaving Denver and going to Miami based on the fact that he's a scheme fit down here? <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I, I talked to Justin uh, last week. I, I don't see that. Um, he, he wants to be back in Denver. Um, but he also wants to be respected. And the Broncos have not put that offer in front of him that uh, – uh, that I think that they need to. Um, I think Denver definitely wants to do that. George Payton wants to do that. I think that the Justin Simmons negotiations are kind of an early referendum on George Payton as a general manager. 
because he came out with his speech about draft and develop. We're not going to, we're going to be draft developed. We're going to keep our own guys. We're, you know, all this kind of stuff. And okay, here's your first, here's your first shot um, in, in safety, Justin Simmons. Now I do believe that they're going to tag him, but I believe it's going to be as a negotiation mechanism to keep pesky people like you, Miami Dolphins people out, out of the <laughs> negotiations and from offering a bigger contract. <laughs> for Justin than, uh, than the Broncos could possibly match. So uh, just I do believe that they will put that second tag on him, but I do believe they'll get a long-term deal done before the deadline. I got no problem with that word pesky. That, that's actually really accurate, man. That's a perfect Dolphin fandom <laughs> word. And speaking of pesky, if there's one name that I have that I think is a perfect uh, fit for the Dolphins, I think I'm getting a little, you know, rich – for their blood, but what do you know about the Aaron Jones potential in Miami? Man, I had somebody ask me about that yesterday, and oh, I really? legit do not know. Uh, yeah, oh. Somebody asked me about Aaron Jones yesterday. I legit don't know. I don't know. I don't have any connection to Aaron Jones whatsoever. Um, so that's it's one of those things where I, I like I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, this was a Packers fan that was asking me this, by the way. So um, I, I, I Packer legit, fan. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't consider anybody pesky, man. I, I just, I, I like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm talking. kidding. I'm having fun with you. Right, right, right. We're all just dudes talking football in the end. But like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, um, I don't know. I honestly don't know about Aaron Jones. So I, I don't have, um, I, I don't have a pulse on that. I don't have any info to give you. I, I, I apologize. I just, I just don't. Oh man, no worries at all. No worries at all. Hussam's got some more for you, and then we'll, uh, we'll take us on home soon. So I'm a draft guy, and I have to ask you. Ever since the trade for Carson Wentz, the number three pick valuation is growing bigger and bigger as, you know, this offseason goes on. What do you know about some type of compensation the Dolphins could get if they do trade back with a quarterback needy team, like how you said, with Atlanta? Well, Atlanta's not that big a jump, so you're not going to get as much. Um, really, what you guys would be wanting is a team like, and, and this is not the team that would be making the deal with New England. Um, you would want a quarterback needy team like New England to come up and you know and do that. A, a team in that range. Um, so you guys would be wanting like the Broncos to kind of jump up there and, and, and get somebody because that would maximize your return and make work make moving back worth it. Um, so. You know, I, as far as the returns go, you can look at, I'm trying to think of various deals. The trading in the top 10 is not quite as big a thing as it used to be. Uh, but if you look, uh, you've had some recent deals. I mean, the Bears moving up for Trubisky. They moved up one spot and look what they gave up. Um, you could go back uh, a few years back, I believe uh, the Falcons and the Browns uh, in order to get the Julio deal done. That was in there. Uh, and you could kind of, kind of, you know, look around the framework, uh, you know, in there. Picks one and two have exponentially more value than three, four, and five. You know, it's just kind of, it's, it's on a giant, you know, a giant exponential curve as it comes down. And three, four, and five are more the sweet spot for teams that want to move up because it's not quite as expensive to do that according to everybody's value charts. And keep in mind, there are about four different value charts that are used in the NFL pretty commonly. I know everybody's familiar with uh, Jimmy Johnson's. Um, the, the guys that uh, that run uh, over the cap put a, um, put a value chart out of their own not too long ago that some teams are using uh the harvard sports analytics collective put one out and every team has a copy of that 
Uh, and then there's another one that's uh, that's a private internal one that um, uh, John Dorsey used to use. I don't think he developed it, but it's the one he used to use. And a lot of teams kind of have that. And then they kind of triangulate the value between those between those charts um, with with their offers. As far as uh, as far as it goes, it really depends on who's trading up and how far they're trading up. And the farther somebody's trading up, the more you're going to get. So that's really what it would be. You really want somebody to really want to move up from those probably those teen spots, um, you know, early teen spots to mid teen spots. If they do that, that's where you're going to get your biggest haul. I do think that's the way to go. I think there's enough talent and uh, potentially teams to really kind of maybe overpay relatively for the Dolphins to get a deal and still get some guys that they want to fill need with great player. Um, some cap casualties, uh, Ben, you know, it happens every year. Do you see any big names that might be, you know, a quote unquote cap casualty? Um, just around the league or in general? Uh, in general, around the league, not team specific. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's quite a few out there that people are going to have to figure out. Um, I'll tell you right here, locally with the Broncos, Jarrell Casey is going to be an issue. It's not really a, a cap issue. It's just that he's his cap number uh, would be like 11 million next year, and it's all it's all free and clear. There's no dead money. So for the Broncos, you're basically saying, hey, take a restructure, or we're just not going to pay this number. Um, and, and so that's where it's at. We already saw A.J. Bouye uh, get cut by the Broncos. That's one there. Um, you know, you start looking around. Patrick Peterson, uh, I don't know if that's out there yet. But he'll he'll he won't be back in Arizona. Um, you know, there's there's some there's some names out there, but most of them are the slightly over the hill type. You know what I mean? Um, that they're just past that. I mean, they're still good, but they're not, you know, elite and they're still getting, and they're getting top money, like those kind of names. Um, and then the Broncos got to figure out the Von Miller situation. You know, they've got, they've got to figure that out. They've got a team option on him. I don't think they want to pay him 18 million. Uh, and so they're trying to figure out a way to extend him and make him a Bronco for life. But there's a strong possibility he hits free agency. The Von Miller situation is, is a situation in and of itself. Uh, and uh, before a fun question for you, I'm going to go a little off book, Ben. I hope you don't mind. But uh, if, if there is any Dolphin fan on the ledge, well, what would you tell them? What would they be on the ledge about? Exactly. <laughs> that's what that, I tell them. Th that's what I'm going to tell you because everyone's going crazy between what Tua, trade him, get Watson, picks. What are we going to do? Who are we going to take? What do you tell a nervous Dolphin fan, much like myself? Um, I, you know, I tell you not to sweat it. Look at what this team has accomplished so far with this regime and how it looks like it's headed in the right direction. And have faith that just because that information and what they're trying to do isn't out there, um, you know, doesn't mean that they don't have a plan or even a good plan. I think that if you look at last year and you look at how that team played, I think the Dolphins are a force in the NFL again. And I think they haven't been for a while. And I think that it's time to say, okay, all right, Brian Flores and, and uh, Chris Greer, these guys know what they're doing. It's obvious. So let's take, you know, anytime I start to get too worked up, I'm going to take a deep breath, count to three and be like, oh yeah, we're good again. Maybe I should trust them. That's, that's what I wanted to hear. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. And patience is a virtue. And I think that all of us Dolphin fans and supporters really kind of have to take that with a grain of salt and give this kid time and a, and a preseason. I mean, all rookies this year did not have a preseason. I think a lot of people kind of forget that. So fun question, Ben, before I bring Hassan back and we can, you know, get you out back to what you're doing on this Friday. The word Omaha is a word that uh, I hate so much, 
But there's a lot of ties between your Broncos and our Dolphins and the man who just brought that awful word. Not place. Lovely place. But do you know the inception and what that means? I've heard of some rumors of what that actual term means. What does it mean? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's a, it's a signifier. It's a signifier for, um, uh, for an audible. Um, it's not, I mean, like it's in terms of what it means, means, um, it's not, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the way to explain this. Cause Peyton, you know, Peyton talked about it, um, uh, not too, too long ago. Um, and so I, I don't think that, uh, um, Oops, sorry. I, th- I heard a noise there. I thought that was me. That was my son. It's okay. Uh, he he doesn't uh, like Omaha. Oh, okay. 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 Um, it, it's it's funny. Uh, it's it's just it's interesting to see how much um, people put into that. But really, what it was was kind of an indicator. Um, I, it, it was one of those things that uh, uh, they had changed the play, um, and it, it because it was a, a a quick count, a quick you know, Omaha, it's quick three syllable word, um, you know, that, that they were going to plan B and that was it. No, no extra indicators were required. It's just that that secondary plan that we had in the huddle, that's what we're going to. And I'm snapping it because I don't have time to reset everything with, with a longer explanation. So that, that's, that's really what it means. So change your mind, hurry up, go and pray. Well, pretty, pretty much. It's more like so you go into the huddle, right? And, and you're giving your play call and uh, you know, 21 gun, go smoke X, you know, whatever. And, and so like you're giving your play call, right? And, but you got, you got alternate play calls to that. Like when we get up to the line, this is what we're showing. But if they're showing us something else, we got to change that, right? And so if, if after we've changed, we started changing things and we're getting low in the play clock, I don't have time to keep changing things. So whatever the plan B I called in the huddle was, if I say Omaha, that's what, the, that's what we're running. I need a project that I need to know the uh, across the league, the efficiency rating of when Omaha said what happens after. I need to know what goes down on those plays. That's a homework assignment <laughs> for me. But uh, before uh, we end the, uh, the show here, I know Sam has one more quick dolphin question that uh, he wants to get a, out. So I got to ask you, will the magic man Ryan Fitzpatrick stay as a dolphin or will he be a starter somewhere else next season? I, I think, I think. He's going to stay with the Dolphins. Um, that is an opinion. Um, I, I think he's going to stay with the Dolphins. Uh, we'll see. There will be offers for him to be a stopgap somewhere else. I don't know if he wants to continue to add a new jersey to his uh, to his wall collection, uh, you know, of jerseys. But uh, I think uh, I think he's found a home there in Miami, and that coexistence I think kind of worked out for him a little bit. So I think he stays in Miami. It's that's again, it's not a report. That's just an opinion. Opinions are good. We like opinions, and we really loved having you on, Ben. We appreciate your work, appreciate everything you've done from service to football, and if there's anything, lastly, that you want to say to all the the folks out there, any other projects you're working on where we could find you, what can you tell them? Uh, I would say unfollow me at Albright NFL. It's a, it's a dumpster fire and nobody wants to be a part of that anyway. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you get the radio show and all that kind of stuff. And, and I love, I love doing podcasts with, with you guys. And I had a great time today, by the way, I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. Just chopping it up with people I haven't chopped it up with before. It's always fun. So, um, love to come back and do it with you again sometime. And, uh, uh I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, you have an open invitation, Ben. Absolutely. Enjoy this season. Enjoy your weekend and all the best to you, sir. Thank you so much. Yep.